Hello, welcome to Horror Court Trash Over, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. Now let's start this episode with a disclosure. We love Ooh, Dolly uh, Part. Disclosure. Disclaimer. 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 Yeah, that's it. Disclaimer. <laughs> um, we, we love Dolly Parton. Uh, I, I believe she's one of the greatest human beings alive. Yes. I don't think there's a bad bone in her body. You know, she's done more for, you know, for everyone throughout coronavirus in, in America anyway than what the politicians have done. Um, but quite frankly, Dolly, mate, what the fuck were you thinking? <laughs> 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 um, I mean, not everyone's gonna hit it out of the park every time. <laughs> um, and this is definitely a miss for her. So, um, of course, we introduced the show as all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. And this is very much a trash the piece. It is not a good film by any means. Not even close to the sort. And and anyone who if thinks this is a good film, I'm, I'm baffled. I'd love to know. Please explain to me. <sighs> In what world is this a good film? We are talking about the newly released, this is definitely the latest film we've discussed on the podcast, it's Beat Anderson Falls. The newly released Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. This, and, and, I, and I said it in my review on Letterboxd, this is... The first, and that's far only film of 2020, because I don't include Anderson Falls. <coughs> that is so bad, it's good. It's it's rare. I mean, it's up there, for me, it's up there with The Room and Troll 2, in terms of a film that is so ridiculous and at times stupid that I actually really have a good time watching it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's bizarre. It is absolutely bizarre. And you really do need to see it to believe it. It is on Netflix. It is a Netflix original. Um, and, and as we know, Netflix originals can be very hit or miss. Uh, I mean, Netflix originals, one of them was uh, was Roma. Um, yes. You know, masterpiece Roma, and then you get this. It's, you don't know what you're going to get when you watch a Netflix original. Um, but this is, is something else. It, it, it is truly quite bizarre. It is, it's definitely a has to be seen to be believed kind of film. Um, but I, I mean, I had a good time. I'd probably watch it next year for Christmas as well. <laughs> Great. <laughs> this was directed and choreographed by Debbie Allen. Uh, her only other film credit is Out of Sync. Starring LL Cool J, which has a 4.5 on IMDb. Uh, I think she may have done a lot of TV stuff and... No, no, Debbie Allen is a world-famous choreographer. Is she? Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, she's probably most famous for fame. And how the fuck did she end up with this? She starred in fame. She did direct a lot of stuff, though. Yeah, she has directed. She's gone into directing, uh, but she's predominantly known as a choreographer. And uh, not really an actress, but she's most famous for fame, uh, the, the film and TV series. Um, she actually choreographed Carrie the Musical as oh, well. Oh, there we so go. She, she's not... 
She's had a few misses in her time. This is one of them. <laughs> the choreography. I, I like the choreography. Oh, come though. on. I mean, really? It, it was what it was. It, you know, what are they going to do? Including the guy that spreads his legs so wide that they fucking burst out the screen. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's a 3D film, what can I say? Uh, it's an unknown budget. And no, there's no um, gross for this one because obviously it's straight to Netflix. I say it's quite a few million though. Um, well. You know. I mean, uh, I beg to differ. Small bit of trivia for this one, not a lot. I had to really dig deep for this. Um, Dolly Part. Well, first of all, the only bit of trivia on IMDb is second time Dolly has played an angel. I don't want to see the first time. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. I've got it on a watch list. Oh, what's it called? <sighs> Unlikely Angel. Unlikely Angel, that's the one. So, whenever we discuss a film that a musician or a band or anything has, has made on the podcast, it's normally to promote an album. Now, Dolly's been a little sly with this one because, so as far as anyone knows, it's not to promote a new album. However, she <laughs> she features two of the songs, Christmases and Christmas on the Square, on her new Christmas album, A Holly Dolly Christmas, but not the rest of it, and she's not released a separate soundtrack for this. So if anyone loses their mind and actually wants to listen to the soundtrack to this film, they can listen to two songs exclusively, but they've got to listen to her new album to listen to it. Clever marketing, Dolly. Clever marketing. And Christmas is <laughs> is a duet with Miley Cyrus. Yeah, sadly. Um, poor Miley. So although she gave all the credit to writer and co-executive producer Maria S. Slatter, Parton was the one who not only conceived the idea, but also suggested featuring a couple who were struggling with fertility issues. Thanks, Dolly. They're the worst fucking characters they in the They are the worst characters. And the way they solve the fertility issue is alarming. It is, it is it's really... Iffy. It's very iffy. <laughs> what I found with the film is that a lot of it is camp, and I can forgive camp, and I enjoy camp. But when it goes into schmaltzy um, and, and quite ridiculousness, um, and it's just a little too sweet-natured, I find it's a bit sickening. And this couple represents that a lot because <laughs> they are very, oh, I and love you. <laughs> they are thing. the worst actors in this film. I mean, they are as well. I'm the sorry. the guy in the couple more than the girl, he is, uh, I've never seen someone with so little emotion in my life. Yeah. He has just got the same face on in front of the whole film and his line delivery just has no emotion whatsoever. And he has a range of emotions that he should be portraying. Yeah. So he goes from I love you to actually quite aggressive dialogue. Um, but <laughs> his facial expressions don't change very much. <laughs> so it's hard to tell where it's coming from. The only other bit of trivia I can find is a few interviews where Dolly Parton and Christine Baranski are just taking the film far too seriously. Uh, Christine Baranski's in this... And she looks depressed throughout the entire film. She just looks like she doesn't want to be there. She's meant to be the big bitchy character, but throughout the entire film, she just looks bored. So bored. She just seems like she's out of Again, there's hardly any emotions there because she just looks like she doesn't want to be there. <laughs> That's kind like, of you can see the pain in her eyes. And we love Christine Baranski. Well, she was the best thing about A Bad Mum's Christmas. She's the best thing about a lot of things she's in. I mean, in, in A Bad Mum's Christmas, she was a bitchy character and she did it perfectly. Yeah. She, she was really good. Uh, the only good thing in that film. This is just... 
There's no energy from her whatsoever. No. No. And the only person... is best when she's being well, bitchy as well, though. Yeah. But the only person who has energy in this film... Oh, actually, no, no, no. It's not just Dolly in her spotlight. The only person who has a lot of energy in this film is the chicken guy. The chicken guy. And Jennifer Lewis? A bit, yeah. She... Yeah. Let's just get into it. <laughs> yeah. The plot is, an embittered Scrooge of a woman plans to sell a small town regardless of the consequences to the people who live there. Yeah, pretty much. We open with paintings. I think so many Christmas films all derive from A Christmas Carol. Yeah. In some way or or another. So many. I mean, we have... Films that are a Christmas Carol, there's must be about a fucking thousand of them. Yeah, and then there's other films that don't tell us that they're a Christmas Carol, but you always get that Scrooge character, don't you? Oh, always yeah. in these Christmas it's, films. It's a Wonderful Life after a Christmas Carol. Yeah, a Christmas Carol was a novel. Was it Victorian? Okay, well... Charles Dickens. Sorry, I wasn't around back then. Like you. Anyway. <laughs> Have we got a laughter reaction on the thing? No, no, and it's unnecessary after that. Paintings um, open the film of the square. Um, we get some basic ass music playing over them. Yeah, really shit paintings as well. Yeah. You can you can tell that it's just a photo that's been put through some sort of weird filter to yeah. make it look like a painting. We get Homeless Dolly. Um, <laughs> homeless Dolly is terrifying when you first see her. It is jarring. She just appears there with CGI stars around her and a spotlight. Now, she is the only character in this film that gets a spotlight on her. A constant spotlight. Considering she wrote the film, that is... (laughs) She's got a name in the the title. It's Dolly Parton's Christmas (laughs) on the Square. Well, she she appears in terrifying homeless form. Um, She's meant to be homeless, but she's got a face full of makeup. (laughs) Um, Designer out- homeless clothes. I was going to say, the outfit she's wearing isn't really that raggedy, really. <laughs> you know, you'd think the pigeon woman from Home Alone 2. Yeah. But I think she sort of said, okay, it's the pigeon woman from Home Alone 2, but I don't want to look like a complete dog's dinner. Um, so it's really just, she's just kind of wearing grey clothing. Yeah. She's got a couple of bowls in her gloves. She's got a big hoops on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's still proper, proper glam for a homeless woman. She's uh, talent, she's singing a song about what Christmas is. And then we get gay dancers uh, who start doing cartwheels and jumping everywhere. Uh, all over the all over square. Whilst Carolus starts singing. <laughs> what do you mean by gay dancers? When they're clearly gay actors. Gay as in happy? No, gay as in homosexuals. Okay. Like me and you. Okay. <laughs> we could have done this. We could have been the salon guys. I don't, I don't think you could do a split, could you? Well, if I do, I'll record it and put it on our Instagram. Um, Carolus starts singing. There's some dogs in a car. Uh, Mac and Violet are introduced. And Mac is singing about how Christmas is a time for thermal underwear. He is singing about thermal underwear. <laughs> um, a woman who's dressed actually quite conservatively gets <laughs> ogled by a group of men. So they're not all homosexuals. <laughs> Um, or they're just good actors, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's meant to be a real pleasant square, but um, she can't even walk through the square. Is this the mistletoe being... lady? No, this is oh. the young lady who's actually wearing pretty much an ankle length skirt, 
and a cardigan. <laughs> she, she dressed appropriately for the weather. She walks past and there's like six men going, ooh, ooh. She your tits, woo. Yeah, poor woman can't walk through the fucking square without being <laughs> stared at. It's not that nice there, is it? Uh, a random old white lady who we'll soon come to know as the mistletoe lady. Mistletoe lady. Is uh, wandering around a square. She's like, I need some mistletoe. <laughs> and she gets lifted up by the gay dancers. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Dolly's back, so we don't forget it's her film. Yes. And that evil bitch Regina, played by Christine Baranski, is being driven through the town Ooh. whilst singing about needing to get out of that town. She's whilst, a nasty uh, piece of work. She is. And all the gay dancers are dancing around the car without being run over. Miraculously. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're introduced to Carl, who's a very boring character. He is very, he's very plain, very boring. Played by uh, Treat Williams. He, he, uh, he enters the film, starts singing about Christmas on the Square... Well, some random old lady, uh, who will soon come to know as the shaky tits lady, uh, start, her actual name in the cast is Granny Hoover, starts yelling, lovely day. And what's the other thing she yells? How romantic. <laughs> and then she... Uh, who do? I don't know. <laughs> a kid gets hit with a snowball and says, ow, my eye. Oh my and then she starts shaking her tits at him. <laughs> Why? So Granny Hoover starts to join the dancing, but the only dance move she can do is shaking her breasts. But she visibly looks like she's trying to think of what to do. Yeah. And then she just resorts to shaking what, her tits. What have I got in my arsenal? Oh, just shake me, shake me boobs. And, and some children. The, best. the postman, oh, God. who is the nosiest cunt in any Christmas film ever, um, greets Felicity, who is uh, Christine Bransky's assistant. He... he he greets her by saying, "'Tis the season, Felicity. You didn't hear it from me, but Mrs. Hampton forgot to put figs in her figgy pudding." Great. Great. Thank you for Lovely. that useful information. Thanks for that, Postman Pratt. <laughs> <laughs> Regina is going to evict everyone before Christmas. I don't blame her. I mean, the woman's <laughs> been ogled in the street. An old lady's shaking her breasts at young children. <laughs> the postman can't mind his own business. Going round gossiping about this poor woman who forgot to put figs in her figgy pudding. <laughs> also, what the fuck is a figgy pudding? I have no idea. It's, it's associated with Christmas a lot, but I don't know what it is. You no, know, this poor child lost his eye for a <laughs> snowball fight. Yeah, this, this town is a disaster. It it's needs disaster. to be shut down. It needs to be shut down. Um, we, we only know that Regina is going to evict everyone before Christmas because we get some exposition from her assistant Felicity. The exposition in this film is just unbelievable. Like, from the moment it starts to the moment it ends, we get nothing but exposition about things that have happened. It's true. You're forgetting about the things that should be happening in the present in the film. We just constantly learn about the past. Do you yeah, think this will get a prequel where we get to see all these events lived out? But it's all just kind of like randomly placed. Yeah. So it's like they're talking about something that that's happening you know all oh, that reminds me of when my father did this in 1925 and then i did that and then i did this and then then so and so did that and it's like oh god <laughs> we're taken into a baby store and uh we're introduced to jenna and christian a baby store not baby, baby clothes store baby clothes where um jenna says thanks for visiting our store bye bye precious little girl <laughs> Yeah, it's it's seemingly quite a small town, so I, I, 
This is an oddly specific store. <coughs> You'd think they would have a store in just a section with kids' clothes. They would have a clothing store rather than specifically a, a children's clothing store. Because there's not many toys in there, is no. it? It's just children's clothes. That's all you ever see in there. It's oddly specific for a small town. It's oddly specific for someone who can't have kids. And that's the thing. So the pastor, Pastor Christian, and is her name Jess? Uh, Jenna. Jenna, excuse me, his wife. Uh, they're having fertility issues. How do we know that? Because they say it every fucking time <laughs> they're on the screen. And they sing a song about it. And they sing a song about it. So they think that fertility treatment will be the greatest gift that they give each other this year. They hope they'll have kids next Christmas. They want the baby to have the dad's small lips and the mum's eyes. He's got small lips, actually. He hasn't got predominant lips, which I thought was weird for um, for them to sing about. Yeah. She's got lovely eyes, but um, his his lips are pretty much non-existent. So, <laughs> you know... But they're singing, maybe, just maybe, we'll get our baby. Uh, which, I mean, it's obviously a very real thing and a very sad thing. Um, but the Yona children's clothing story, it's a bit... The way it's dealt with. It's dealt is... with weird in this film. Really weird. It's like, do, do we have to own a children's clothing store for us to get the message? Do we have to mention it every time they're on the screen for us to get the message? We get it. And then later on, you realise how the film deals with this issue, and it's even more weird. <laughs> um, it's, it's very strange, very strange dealing with a very real and sort of very human thing. And it's, it's why they're my least favourite characters. Because I... it, it, their, their story is a strange one for the film, but also their interactions with each other make me feel a little bit sick. Because they're so schmaltzy. No one interacts so, like that. No one. She's every line of her dialogue. She's quoting the fucking Bible. No oh one talks God, like that. Yeah. Regina marches in. <laughs> let's let's like, get on with it. It's like, like Margaret White. Like, I can't wait to get to the part of how their problem solved. So let's get on with it. Regina marches in and sings in their faces about being evicted because uh, she's smelling. She's selling the town to create a mall, and Christian says with absolutely no emotion. Who would do this to people during the holidays? And she says, rich people who get tax rays. <laughs> um, Regina walks out of the shop and uh, homeless Dolly's there. She's like, change! Change! <laughs> Regina just walks past her. <laughs> change! Still got the spotlight on her. Yes. We're now introduced to uh, gay the two gay dancers in the salon. The gay salon dancers. Um, who are just dancing around instead of doing their jobs. Oh, they're doing a little voguing, aren't they? They are doing a bit of voguing. Jennifer Lewis owns the hairdressers. Yes. Um, she's giving all the Karens their haircuts. Because <laughs> they are all getting Karen cuts. Yeah. They're all getting a, a, a little bob, aren't they? Yeah. Um, little Karen bob. Jennifer Lewis plays Marjolaine and she's singing and dancing about what Christmas is as well. And one of the gay dancers, the one who's always a little bit more extra than the other one, says, the higher the hair, the closer to the North Pole. <laughs> I like that. I thought it was funny. <laughs> but the hair's not that high. <laughs> no. But it's a play on the, the, the higher the hair, the closer to God. Great. Anyway, Regina and Felicity go to the salon. Mistletoe woman's at the door trying to kiss them as they walk through. Um, she finally gets one from yeah, Felicity, Felicity gives on, her a kiss. on the cheek gives her a kiss um, 
Regina walks up to Marjolene and says, Marjolene, don't even argue. Although we've been friends who have grown up here together. Yes, thank <laughs> you. How would we have ever known? We're friends who have grown up here together. It is time for that to change. Well, it's not going to change, is it? Because she's still growing up. She's not going to stop aging. Here's a notice to evacuate and the check to relocate. I'll see you when uh, I'll see you when you do my hair tomorrow. <laughs> Don't be late. Yeah. It's a lot to take in in one song, isn't it? I mean, how long's the song? Like eleven minutes long altogether yeah. within the film, and it's a lot of information to take in. It really is. <laughs> so the gay salon dancers and mistletoe woman, uh, they dance around Marjolene while she gets this information. They they they're still dancing. They're still dancing the with big smiles on their faces. And she's, she's been told she's being evicted. And uh, mistletoe woman, in a thing that carries on for an entire film, goes, "Oh, she's such a bless her heart." Why would you bless her heart? Just say she's a bitch. <laughs> One of the gay dancers falls to the floor, swings a Santa towards the door on a chair, falls to the floor and says, What's to become of us? And the other gay dancer wants to know what he's doing. And he says, He's always wanted to say it. And the moment felt just right. And they're still on the laugh, even though they're being evicted. Regina hands eviction notices to some children for some reason. <laughs> yeah. She's just handing them to everyone. <laughs> Because, I, I mean, it, or everywhere in the square seems to be a shop. Mm-hmm. So, if she's... Ha- not everyone can own a shop. No. So, when she's handing them to children... We never see where anyone actually lives, apart from Regina. So, I don't know how big the town actually is. <laughs> but she's just handing out these eviction notices willy-nilly to everyone she comes into contact with, basically. <laughs> People are tap dancing in the bank and smiling whilst being handed their eviction notice. Yeah, they are. Homeless Dolly's watching them. Felicity's joining them in the dancing. And uh, Gina lets them know that um, their life isn't wonderful and they're not George Bailey. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they're Brady then. Brady. Yeah, Felicity's told that she uh, she's supposed to be on the clock because she shouldn't be dancing. Yeah, by Dolly. Mm. So we get a little inkling that something's going on there. Even though it's fucking obvious. Yes, yeah. Regina sings about having too many memories whilst having a flashback about dancing with Carl when they were younger. And Homeless Dolly sings a bit at Regina and says, Any change? Any change? So Carl isn't in at the moment. No. He owns the old crap shop um, that sounds old crap. Um, but she has a little flashback when she's looking through the window. Yes, and then she says uh, to Dolly, This is the first time we've seen a homeless person here. And Dolly says, well, you better get used to it, because you'll have a whole town of them now. Everyone gathers to wave eviction papers at uh, Regina's car as she is driven away. Homeless Dolly still has the spotlight and disappears, and we are now 11 minutes into the film. Yeah. <laughs> then we cut to the next day. I'm assuming it's the next day. It's the next day, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And a very professional-looking sign has been placed on the top of the church saying, Resist Regina. Um, I say very professional because it does look like uh, like a proper sign, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, which was made overnight, which is really <laughs> impressive. So someone in that town is very good at making signs. I'm, I'm assuming they own a, a sign-making shop um, because all the stores there are oddly specific. Um, so yeah, well done to them. Well, the chicken guy's putting it up. Now, we call him the chicken guy because he does a bizarre chicken dance near the end of the film. He does. Um, but this guy, 
he is his performance is electric. It, it is every single scene he's in, he is given a hundred and fifty percent more than everybody else. Fucking a thousand fifty more than everybody else. Absolutely. He is overacting Over his heart the, out. He really is looking and trying to grab at that spotlight, isn't he? He deserves an Oscar. He is literally whenever the camera's close to him, he sticks his head out he to does. get into it. He is desperate to be on camera. I can only assume he's like Dolly Parton's biggest fan and he was just so happy to be in this film yeah. that he's just doing everything he can this to get This is my moment. moment. Yeah. This is it. Well, he's putting a this sign up. This is my up. stage. He's putting a sign up and he's sticking his fob. He's smiling. He's smiling so much that he looks like his face is about to fall off. <laughs> Christian talks about how oh, he God. feels like the whole town will hold him responsible uh, for what's going on. Why? why? We have absolutely no idea. No idea why. It's not even explained. Then him and Jenna chat some shit about his vision for the town and, and whatnot and her infertility again. <laughs> and then they sing a sickeningly sweet song about how much they love each but other. But before that, she tells him he always wanted to be a husband and a father. And he replies, I didn't want to be a husband and a father. I wanted to be your husband and a father to our children. That's the same thing. That's the exact same thing. It's still yeah, being a husband really. and a father. Yeah. You're talking shit now. But he's saying no matter where they come from. So I think he's talking about adoption. So, yeah, they sing this soppy song about how Christian loves pie and how amazing oh his God. wife is. Uh, you're my rock star. Oh, oh no. You're my rock, my soft pillow. I praise God for giving me you. You're my rock star, my guitar. That's always in play. That's always in play. Yeah. Now... I'm assuming Dolly Parton did write the songs to this film. Poor Dolly. So this was the woman that wrote I Will Always Love You, <laughs> which is, you know, one of the greatest love songs of all time. And she can't think of anything better than You're My Rock Star, My Guitar, um, to two people that we've never actually seen play a guitar. <laughs> yeah. They're certainly not rock stars. It, it's just really... <laughs> it's my, it's just, every time they're on screen, they're like this constantly, and it makes me feel sick. I don't know, maybe we're just, you know, um, cynical fuckers. Um, but it's these parts of the film that really just grind on me. I fucking hate it. Yeah, maybe if we were uh, religious, we might enjoy it a little more. Um, <laughs> next up on the podcast, we'll be doing Christian Mingle, the movie. <laughs> oh, God, is that a thing? It is. Oh, God. So they start singing about praising God for bringing them together. Um, the gay salon dancers do a few spins in the background. And the Resist Regina sign falls down after the song ends. Does it? Yeah, it does. Oh, that fucking chicken dance guy was too <laughs> busy trying to gurn for the fucking camera. He didn't put it up properly. <laughs> Marjolaine arrives 30 seconds late for Regina's haircut. She does. In one of many... Many completely pointless scenes in this film. <laughs> Regina reveals she has one eviction notice left to serve on Carl. Marjolaine provides exposition about her, um, about Regina and Carl being high school sweethearts behind her father's back and how he was crazy about her. Thank you for that. Yeah. But she literally says to her, you were high school sweethearts behind your father's back. He yeah. was crazy about you. Yeah. Well, wouldn't she already know that? Why are you she telling her? <laughs> Marjolaine starts singing a song about knowing Regina and how knowing what she's doing is a low blow. She's fucking... 
Uh, if I was Regina, I'd be pissed off. No wonder she wants to close the town. <laughs> Marceline is hacking at her hair yeah. while she sings. And I seriously mean hacking. She's just going at it willy-nilly with the scissors. Yeah. Well, um, they start talking about how she's a meanie and whatever. And she says, sticks and stones may break my bones. And Marceline says, but words and deeds can slay. <laughs> She puts the face mask on Regina. Bright um, green. Yeah. What do you think we're referencing? The Shrek. Grinch. Oh. Shrek. <laughs> Clearly referencing the, the Grinch with some bright green face mask. Yeah. She tells her to think about what she's doing or she'll have no friends left. And she says, girl, you think you're so fierce. You don't own the world. Yeah. And what do we learn about Marjolene? Completely pointlessly learn about Marjolene. And what do we learn? That she is proud to be the first female. Oh owner no, that's, of that's a, a little after this. That's a little after oh, this. It goes skip on forever. Ahead. I want to skip ahead. It goes on forever. She's been, well, she's been messing around the head this entire time, not actually doing anything practical with it, other than just hacking it to pieces. Uh, and then she tells her to stop being so mean. Leave people alone. Um, and then yeah, and then she gives exposition, and she says, "I was the first female business owner on the square and the first female mayor of Fullerville." Well, yeah, she would already know that. What are you telling her that for? <laughs> just just a question. At what point did I just jump ahead then? If you've just repeated what I just said. Because she tells us to stop being mean and leave the people alone. You already said that. Did I? Oh, whatever. Um, Marjolene leaves and tells us... You see do... what this film does? There's so much fucking shit being chatted in this film. <laughs> she leaves We're and... getting mixed up ourselves. She tells us to do her own damn hair after wasting all that time singing. She says, there's a saying, you can't be too thin or too rich, but you can be too lonely. <laughs> Which is, this film is full of phrases like that. that they, think, they think they're being so profound, don't they? <laughs> yeah, that'll stick it to all those greedy rich people when they watch this. <laughs> yeah. Heads up, no one's going to watch this. <laughs> Everyone's watched this. Regina gets a text from a doctor saying to call her and she goes to the square and is greeted by protesters and the nosy postman who tells her that the pastor is uh, planning a resist Regina meeting tonight. Yeah, whilst they're stood in front of many flyers <laughs> and a sign and people with like banners and shit saying resist Regina meeting at the church at eight o'clock tonight. <laughs> um, so... You know, it's not really hot gossip, is it, postman? No. Um, also, this sign maker in town is incredible. <laughs> he's got flyers made now. He's got signs for posts, what they're called, protests. I want to say protest sticks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Signs yeah. for that. All look very professional. Um He's got these made overnight. It's incredible. Well, there's a few that are really cheaply done and just like, it was just doing a black marker saying protect our own people and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> and then there are others that are like real professional <laughs> made. Uh, Christian tells Regina that the whole town is standing against her while still showing absolutely no emotion at all. <laughs> yeah, even if it's quite aggressive. With yeah, <laughs> and she doesn't care, she just walks off. Regina visits Carl to give his eviction notice. And we got one of the most boring scenes in the fucking film. Mm. He wants to know why she never returned his calls. And he still thinks about that night all these years later. Oh. What night would that be? I'm sure we'll find out. Um, Regina spots her dad's lantern in his shop. And 
Carl Reveal's hometown girl makes it big Regina was on the front of a magazine that he used to own. Lovely. Regina basically tells him that his general store isn't even a general store anymore. Yeah. Because it's full of second-hand shit. So what does he do? He sings her a song. About everything that he sells in his shop and all the past customers. Yeah, so Carl sings a song about the memories attached to all the items in his shop. It's so unnecessary. Um, seemingly, these memories go back quite a while, so he's really not selling much stock. Where has he recovered them from? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, they're just there. No one buys them. We've never seen him have a single customer. <laughs> you know, the, the children's clothing store, which would seem a little bit, you know... Um, specific to get many customers we see loads of customers in there <laughs> this general store with full of its secondhand shit which he's sings a fucking song about how important these items are <laughs> he doesn't get a single fucking customer yep <laughs> including and this is the weird sort of sentimentality that comes through in some parts of the film uh, that is completely unnecessary he sings about a doll's house just fine, the memory's attached to it. But then there has to be a line about the girl's bold head. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just a bit, oh God. You know, why are you going so over the top with this? It couldn't have just been the girl loved the house. She had to be an, a, a sick girl as well. Because these <laughs> songs are so schmaltzy and sappy. Yeah, he tells Regina the only way he'll take the eviction notice and the check is if he can use it to buy the town. Regina tells him Felicity will pick it up. We'll pick up the contracts when it's signed, so they don't have to speak ever again. And then, of course, because we haven't had enough already, he sings an exposition song about how Regina broke his young heart at the dance. Yes. So there was that. Oh, I still think about that time years ago. You think there's going to be some sort of big revelation or twist? No, he just he just sings about it yeah. later on. Yeah, it was the dance. She broke his heart. Okay. Regina's car is now plastered with re Resist Regina papers all over it that are going onto the floor. And in one of, I think, maybe two or three scenes in this film, Homeless Dolly reappears and gives Regina a lecture on littering because she pushed them off her car before being... And then um, Regina tells her to mind her own business. Why is she giving Regina a lecture for when she never put them there in the first place? That's the townspeople <laughs> littering. That's true. But... The, you know, she didn't have to speak to the townspeople, so we get <laughs> Regina getting a lecture about this. And then uh, I'm going to get change out of you one way or another. <laughs> she then, <laughs> in a really bizarre series of events, Regina's driving away, and again, the first time of a few times that Dolly puts people's lives in danger in this film. Yeah. She magically throws one of the Resist Regina papers in her face and causes her to nearly run over a doctor. Yeah. Who then tells her that they need to talk. Regina tells him to cough it up and he tells her that there's some sort of shadow on her brain scan and they need more tests. And Homeless Dolly walks past and does the I'm watching you sign at her. Oh my god, yeah. You know, the scary sort of like I'm watching. Yeah. She's just learned that she potentially has a brain tumour mm. because there's a shadow on her brain scan. Yeah. And she's doing the uh, I'm watching you. So... From spoiler alert, she doesn't have a brain tumor, but <laughs> we as an audience think that potentially she does. So when we see Dolly Parton just after she's heard the news that she's got a shadow on her brain scan, walk past and give her the evil eye, <laughs> we think shit. Dolly Parton's just given her a brain tumor to teach her a lesson. <laughs> 
this magical angel has given her a br- fucking brain tumor. Like, oh my lord. Dolly is a horror villain in this film. <laughs> she she's could, made. She could be. She's yeah. made Regina think. Because she's obviously put these events in motion. She's made Regina think that she has got a brain tumour. Yeah. That is fucking horrible. Yeah. So Regina says to the doctor, that woman is so annoying. And the doctor's like, what woman? <laughs> oh, God. Felicity gives Regina a heads up that the huge cheating mall contract has arrived. And it's, it's unrealistically unrealis- large. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, what, three foot tall? <laughs> Uh, about the same size as uh, Angel Dolly, who appears in uh, in in a room with Regina. Yeah, on a cloud. <laughs> All of Regina's lights have gone out, like she's in a horror film. Yeah. And then Angel Dolly appears, looking fucking horrifying, with CGI and a spotlight again, whilst riding on a cloud. She's an angel. She doesn't look horrifying. She, she does. Beautiful. <laughs> she is tiny. <laughs> Filled with CGI. It's not a big cloud. <laughs> Regina says she'll press a panic button, but Dolly insists if she does, no one would save her anyway. They'd be like, bye, Regina. Yeah, yeah. So Regina pretends that a suite that she has on the counter is a, a panic button. Dolly realises that it's a suite and says no one would come to kidnap you anyway. Because someone would have to be willing to pay a ransom, and everyone in town would be glad you're gone. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the way the way they react to this, I mean, she explains it a little later on what she's doing here and her business intentions. It's it's not really that bad. No, not really. I mean, she is putting people out of their homes, and she isn't given a long time for the eviction anyway. She's giving them all checks to start over. Yeah, but as Marjolene said those checks actually don't go they seem a lot but when you're starting to build a new business it doesn't go very far so as what happens through a lot of the film is dolly's just talked about you know regina not being liked and no one wanting to pay her ransom but then decides that she needs to sing about it as well. Yes, sings about everyone needing an angel and a friend. And uh, Regina says, I do have a brain tumour. Yeah, she thinks that uh, Dolly's in a hallucination because of her brain tumour. Yeah. So she asks for Angel Dolly's name and Dolly says, it's Angel. And reveals that she was homeless, Dolly, and that she wants a change. Change B and she wants Regina to change. Yeah, she said you looked straight through me when you thought I was homeless. No, she didn't. She actually had a few run-ins <laughs> with you. And told that she was the only one that could see you. She told the doctor how annoying you were. So she, did, she didn't look right through her. And also, I don't know why it took Regina so long to realise that Angel Dolly was the same as... Homeless Dolly. Oh, I know. Because they got the same face. They look exactly the same. <laughs> Homeless Dolly had a full face of makeup. Angel Dolly <laughs> has a full face of makeup too. So she provides exposition about Regina's father. Okay, this I don't get. So she says about her dad watching the town at night. So the Angel Dolly says, Your father always used to love the lamps being lit. It reminded him of his favourite tale of the Scottish lamplighter. So then we get the story. She starts singing about the lamplighter. 
But it's not really a story. No. You'd think it... It wasn't really anything. No. You just got... It was, oh, this old Scottish man loved <laughs> lighting lamps and he used to light the lamps. And that's it. <laughs> like, it's not really a story. It's just... And then you you get, like, this guy dancing. Dancing around. Yeah, dancing around and lighting the lamps. But it's like, his favourite story wasn't even a fucking story. It was just like, this this dude loved lighting lamps. <laughs> but she of course finds a way to tidy us in when she tells Regina to find a part of the light that's missing to bring back the part of her that's missing. <laughs> so what does that even mean? Think this story ever existed? Yeah, I absolutely no idea what that means. <laughs> but I I just think that the the script just said, oh, you know, the old Scottish story of the lamplight. <laughs> I don't think this is a real story. <laughs> In a rather, not even a rather, in an extremely bizarre series of events. In this family musical. Oh, God. The townspeople gather together in the church and form some sort of call. Let's face yeah, it. Yeah, they do. They yeah, form a call. And they start singing about how much of a bitch Regina is. Um, <laughs> Mistletoe Woman says, she's so damn mean. <laughs> And tits shaking granny says, Hey, no cussing in a church house. She says, No damn cussing in a church house. <laughs> they all start singing about how uh, Regina is the wickedest witch in the middle. Yeah, which really confused me. I I, I was like, In the middle of where? And I, because obviously you got the wicked witch of the east and the west, and I was like, well, What do we mean by middle? Is it just a reference to the Wizard of Oz? Or are they in the middle of somewhere? <laughs> Upon second watching and, and writing notes for the podcast, I did realise that they are in the middle of, of America. Middle America, they call it? Middle of somewhere. Middle of somewhere. So she is in the middle. I just thought it was a really shit reference to The Wizard of Oz to begin. It still is, to be fair. but Well, they start singing about that and they, they sing about how they plan to murder her. Now... I've noted down every single, uh, every single method of murder that they've planned for this woman who they could possibly just go to maybe, I don't know, the local, uh, America's equivalent of an MP about, um, and maybe complain about it and dispute it, you know? Or they could just resist her like they were planning to do, you know? Yeah, which they never really Refuse to be moved. No, they pack their stuff up. They don't resist it. So, they plan to smack her, axe her, burn her broom, singe her hair, trap her like a bear, rough her up a little, give her a poison apple, throw a bucket of water over her, trip her, strip her, which the gay guys go, oh, Lord, don't do that. Very harsh towards Christine Baranski, thank you very much. Throw her on the griddle, roast her, toast her, choke her, Throw mud balls made of spittle, um, which the chicken guy says whilst he's doing a chicken dance. Uh, slam her, wham her, damn her, and definitely rough her up a little. Yeah. That is it's not very Christian. Insane. They they told mistletoe woman off for saying damn. Yeah. But they've just listed a bunch of ways in which they're going to torture and murder um, Regina. Yeah. 
essentially. Why did they think this was a good idea to put in a film? <laughs> they gathered like a cult discussing murder methods. Yeah. <laughs> like, are we meant? whose side are we meant to be on? <laughs> like, really? Um, Regina's driving and Dolly appears and has another go at her. There's a lot of moments in this film where it's just Dolly having a go at Regina. Yeah. And Regina says, I knew brain tumours were deadly, but I didn't know they would be so obnoxious. And tacky. And tacky. <laughs> Was looking at her shoes. Yeah. Um, but th- the thing about this scene is, she says to Regina, oh, don't go there. You leave these poor people alone. Okay, they're not poor people. They are currently no, gathered discussing yeah. how they're going to slaughter her. Exactly. <laughs> But Dolly reads as filth, which tells her she's got a bad attitude, a chip on her shoulder, and now she's the wickedest witch in the middle. Yeah, yeah. So, Christian... Which I'm not sure what that means to Regina <laughs> at this point, because it took me a while to no. understand. Um, Christian sings about how the wickedest uh, witches of the West and the East look like angels compared to Regina. This song goes on for a very long time. It does. Time. And to rhyme with wits... Mistletoe Woman sings, she's colder than a witch's, and then gets interrupted. She was going to say tits. Yes. So I, I had to Google what this was, what the phrase was that was, you know, obviously cut short. And it is colder than a witch's tit. There we go. Everyone's still singing about how <laughs> terrible Regina is when she walks in and starts telling everyone about how she's been looking after that town for a long time and... Uh, Shaky tits Granny Hoover says, yeah, from your fancy New York penthouse. Yeah, it's, I don't, it's never really identified when Regina's dad died. No. So the timelines are a bit shaky um, because she she says, oh, I, I know the stories you've told about me. But everyone was kind of nice to at the beginning before yeah. she handed the eviction notices over everyone was kind of nice to her so i don't i don't know like and and if she's been in new york for all this time and marjolene's her oldest friend what interactions have they had i mean no one owns a mobile phone in this film <laughs> by the way um, so I don't understand what interactions they've had i mean no one uses the internet no oh there's a reference to there's the a internet. reference to it um, but so I don't know how her and Marjolene have been such great friends for so many yeah. years. Um, she's booked a haircut appointment yeah. with her. Oh, she has got a phone. She gets a text from the doctor, doesn't she? Oh, of course she does. Yeah. Yes, the phones are of it. I don't know. She's the only one with a phone. She seems to be. But she tells everyone about how much of a great businesswoman she is and gives everyone a plan which, uh, to obviously what she wants to do with the mall and everything. And uh, she's accused of wanting her dad to die, waiting for her dad to die before she could do this. Yeah. Ma- literally making the dead roll over because they're going to um, bulldoze the cemetery. And uh, doing this all for overpriced coffee and 100 movie theaters at South Sushi. Do film the cinema's own... Uh, cinema's own. Do cinema's South Sushi in America? That sounds amazing. Yeah, that would be cool. Um... What I don't understand is how big this fucking town is. <laughs> so, we don't see... We just see the square. We just see the square. And, and the hospital, of course. And the hospital, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, so there must be a hospital uh, and a bridge somewhere. Yeah. Um, as we find out later on. Um, I don't understand how big this town is and how big the mall's meant to be. 
Because everyone's sort of acting as if they're all going to be made homeless. But there's not that many people that we see. There are big groups of people, but we're led to believe that when they're doing all the big dances in the square, when they're all going to the church for the meeting, that's the whole town. There's not actually that many people. No. So it's really confusing. Yes, I know I'm thinking way too deep into it. But it's just really annoying, <laughs> these little things in, in films like this, that I just, just, well, it makes no sense. Well, after um, she's told that she basically wants her dad to die, understandably, she tells him that the new deadline to leave the homes is now Christmas Eve. Yeah. Go fuck yourselves. You're telling me I'm making a dead roll over. Once my dad's died, go and move out your own by Christmas Eve. Exactly. Christian and his wife, uh, this obviously, unfortunately, this leads to him singing a song about how nothing is impossible. And when you believe, uh, nothing's impossible when you believe, and being the first one up the mountain. Marjolene, Carl and Max start singing about their inspirational experiences and being the first one up the mountain. Oh, chasing rainbows and shit like that. Mac has given far too much. <laughs> With his singing. <laughs> he, do, he does over-sing a little bit compared to the others. The mistletoe woman joins in and starts singing about not knowing until you try. And the church cult all join hands and start singing a, along with this inspirational song. Yeah, it's... Yeah. Oh. oh, it's sappy. It's so sappy. Regina can't find her keys to her car, so she goes to the Jolly Lamplighter pub. It's convenient. Um, wondering if booze is good for <laughs> brain tumours. has got a story, Gary. Of course he's going to name the pub after it. She's, she's wondering if booze is good for brain tumours. So she walks in. Violet, the, the child, is working at the bar. You know, child labour. <laughs> she walks over to her uncle, messes around with his che- checkers board, and says, uh, I've got you, Uncle Freddy. Queen me. <laughs> what does he say? I ain't doing it, you do it. Child, please. Child, please. <laughs> But it's clear, it's the voice added in. It's clear, he it clearly didn't say anything. And that's all this guy does. Yeah. He doesn't, I don't know why he's there. Imagine being hired just to say child, please. I think, I think it's because they couldn't have the child alone work in the bar. She might as well be. She, she might as well have been. To so they just had one guy who <laughs> I don't think knew where he was. <laughs> just, sit, just sitting there. <laughs> Because she's upstairs, so he's sat there waiting for her to come back down and play checkers with him. He's moving him around, he's playing on his own. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uncle Freddy might not actually be her uncle. Um, Regina questions if Violet is too young to be bartending, what everyone is thinking at this point. And if everyone's in town, why is th- why is they kept the pub open anyway? Exactly. Why would you put your child at risk like that? Because Uncle Freddy ain't going to be helping with anything. No. If anyone comes to rob the place, Uncle Freddy's not going to be any help. Um, <laughs> so why just close it? Everyone's at the town anyway. The child even asks, you know, Regina, why aren't you at the town meeting? <laughs> just close the fucking pub. Well, Violet um, tells Regina she's an old soul. That's why she's working there. Yeah. That is a shit excuse. That's just a bit... Oh, it's... Yeah. It's just a bit too... Uh, I don't know what the word is. It's, it's child labour. That's no, what it is. No. The idea is that we're meant to, through the scene, realise that the child's an old soul and, and, and that. But it, when it just gives it to... Oh, I'm an old soul. Okay. 
then the rest of this scene's completely pointless because you've just told us. Yeah, it is a pointless scene. Violet um, calls Regina a diva and tells her that one day she's going to be the life of the party when she's much older. Yeah, so Violet's, um, when Violet asks her why she's not at the meeting, she said that I went late and left early. And Violet's like, oh, that's what divas do. Yeah. She knows this because she's been in the back room of a pub on the internet. Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Violet provides exposition about how her mum died when she was little. Uh, Regina's mum died when she was younger too. And Violet sings a song about how adults are so con- condescending with children. And how and about all of her life experiences while she's pouring drinks. Yeah, so they bond over having their mothers die when they were young. Um, and they sing a song, a bonding song. Um, about how life isn't a fairy tale and how hard life can be. Yeah. Which is weird coming from a child who's yeah. pouring a whiskey as she sings it. <laughs> and a, a whiskey and a chocolate milk, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> Regina thinks every kid should be raised in the back of a bar, which is <laughs> yeah. a really bizarre way of looking at life. Um, <laughs> Violet starts slagging off the wickedest witch in the middle because she killed her mother. Yeah, yeah, so she tells the story. No, but some more exposition. Um, she tells the story of how the uh, Regina, not knowing who Regina is, um, but Regina um, forced the pharmacy to close because it, pay, it, it couldn't pay its rent completely on time. Mm-hmm. So Violet's mum had to drive 20 miles to get her some medicine when she had a fever when she was younger. And driving those 20 miles, a storm broke. And on her way back, her car was swept into the river and uh, Violet's mother drowned. And Violet's dad blames Regina for that because of closing down the pharmacy. Um, What I don't understand is that everybody can gather together on a regular basis and do a song and dance in the middle of the square if they can have the money and the means to build quite professional signs um, <laughs> overnight, you know, in less than 24 hours, if everybody in town is capable of going to the church and doing numerous song and dance numbers about <laughs> Regina closing the place, why could they not have got some money together to help out the pharmacy <laughs> when they couldn't pay their rent it's on true. time? What I also don't understand is how a pharmacy, which... I would assume everyone in town would use on a fairly regular <laughs> basis wouldn't have the means to pay their rent, whereas a child's clothing <laughs> shop, which there's a few children in town, not a massive amount of children, uh, we see throughout the film, uh, how that can stay afloat, uh, whereas the pharmacy can't, it's very confusing to and, me. And the shitty old toy shop. And that shitty old... That no one buys anything from. Crap, the, the second-hand shit shop. Um, how that can stay afloat, um, I don't understand. Yet everyone in town seemed to allow the pharmacy to go under. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth of the matter. <laughs> so... <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. Violet eventually starts blaming herself. Yes. And not Regina. Um, because if she hadn't have caught the fever in the first place, 
then her mum would still be alive. Mm-hmm. And how does Regina respond to that? I'm sorry. No. No. <laughs> she just literally doesn't explain why she's saying no. But she's no. Oh, no that's the second. That the first time she literally just says no. No. And points at her. Then Mac comes back and questions why Regina's there. She says, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> no. And that's it. Regina leaves and sings a song about whether she is to blame for uh, Violet's mum's death or not. Yeah, she does. <laughs> oh, when did I am to blame? Um, we now get a song about a father's prayer whilst uh, Regina has a flashback to her father lighting the uh, lantern from Carl's shop whilst telling her that his, his plans for the business is in the square. Yes, he wants to keep rents low and spirits high. Yes. Felicity's humming nine to five whilst uh, when Dolly appears from behind the fridge. Oh, she does, doesn't she? Yeah. (laughs) Really, Dolly? Did you really have to write this into the film? So, Dolly appears from behind the fridge, like the horror character that she is. Um, (laughs) Interrogates Felicity about being a shit angel. So this is where we find out that Felicity is an angel and a terrible one at that. Um... Dolly brings out the angel rule book and gives Felicity a lecture on being a good angel. And uh, Felicity goes to wake up Regina by asking if she's dead. Yeah. So essentially, Felicity is an angel in training who wants to get her wings. Yeah. And to get her wings, she needs to change Regina's heart and change her mind. Yeah. Change, change. So while she uh, tries to... uh, to, you know, cheer up Regina or whatever she's trying to do. Regina basically tells her to fuck off and get her a coffee. <laughs> and says, Felicity, if you want a friend, get a dog. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually quite a good impression, actually. <laughs> what Christine Bransky was in the room. Well, that's exactly what she sounded like. She did. Felicity wants to, um, she wants to quit, but Dolly tells her to look past Regina's mistakes and start singing a different version of uh, Everyone Needs an Angel. Now, why should she look past her mistakes? Dolly, seriously, if, if she's so bad as everyone's making out in this film, then fuck her. Well, yeah. <laughs> Big deal. Yeah, we'll go to another town. So you fucking do get her. So Felicity reveals she needs to complete this mission to learn how to fly, and Dolly gives her a random ballet lesson. Um, she does. Like, dance, honey, dance. <laughs> Felicity realises she wants to continue helping Regina by the end of the song. Dolly makes a coffee appear and Regina apologises to Felicity. She does. She's nervous about... She's got more tests, doesn't she? So she's a little nervous. She's getting there. She Her her time with Violet taught her a, a slight lesson. Um, but she's not quite there yet. No. So she needs to go and get her head scanned again. She's a little nervous. They're driving to the hospital, Dolly appears, and Regina asks her if there's a wedding cake she could go and sit on. So what does Dolly say to this? What does she say? Oh, why'd you have to mention cake? Oh, yeah. Now I'm hungry! <laughs> yeah. And disappears. Yeah, she does. <laughs> Completely pointless. Absolutely pointless scene. And it's not like this is a short film. It goes an hour and 40, but... Dolly just appears and says some shit about cake and then disappears and that's it. The whole scene. <laughs> and then we hear the words that we never wanted to hear. And Felicity says, So, tell us more about Carl. Is he your boyfriend? Oh, no! God. Yeah. 
So Regina just lets it all out as well. well. After Dolly isn't in the scene, but she sings, "Look at life in the rearview mirror," and then that's it. Yeah, that's it. That's the only line she sings, and then we get more exposition about her and Carl's relationship. We get flashbacks this time yeah. as well, though, don't we? There's a guy with a shit beard who looks like Paul from S Club Seven. He's got a massive hairy chest hanging out. He does. It's the seventies, though, isn't it? He's dancing really badly at the Christmas dance um, to a song. About being a happy town where people can go and get down. <laughs> okay, so if Dolly wrote all of the music <laughs> for this film... Which she did. Which she did. Every last bit, she can write a country song like no one else. But do you know what she can't write? Disco. <laughs> this song is awful. <laughs> it's meant to it's be... It's like she just couldn't be bothered. She's like, oh, what goes with the... Happy oh, yeah, town, happy town. <laughs> So uh, the flashback is to Regina's first and only dance that her father allowed her to go to, and she only let her he only let her go because it was a Christmas dance. Yeah. So I don't understand the the father's meant to be this loving, caring, you know the whole town loves him. He's such a great guy. Uh, Regina's not living up to his wonderful legacy. But he wouldn't even let her go to the dance. And what's that about? This entire sequence shows how terrible of a person he is. He kind of is a shit, yeah. Um, Regina saw Carl give another girl a ring in the cloakroom and was so stunned and hurt by this. Uh, the music changes to a sad song, conveniently. Mm-hmm. And Paul from S Club 7, uh, with big hairy chest out, offers her a dance and makes her feel so pretty and so desirable that she decided to jump on his dick. Yeah, essentially. And she gets pregnant. Yeah. And the song in the background, uh, it's got a male singer saying, come on, just dance. And a female singer saying, well, I'll try. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So he got her pregnant, um, thanks to that song. And her father was devastated. And remember this, he told her to disappear for a while. He told her. Her, not her decision. No. She's in, you see her, Carl comes to the house um, and you see her in the house, disappointed that she can't see him. What, she's massively pregnant, like, a day later after having (laughs) sex. Yeah, it's like, how long did it take Carl to come over with some flowers? (laughs) They they arrive at the hospital while she's telling the story and Felicity's like, "Um, yeah, we're at the hospital now. She still continues telling the story while she's having a brain scan. I don't know who she's telling the story to. No. Um... (laughs) Carl's ring was meant for her, and uh, apparently she couldn't couldn't show her face to him again because she was preggers. Well, it's so weird that Carl would show the ring to some completely random <laughs> girl and not show it to. Why would he not have shown it to um, Jennifer Regina. Lewis? Oh, well, yeah. But why wouldn't yeah. he have shown it to Jennifer Lewis? They've been friends for years. Was that meant to be? Jennifer. That was meant to be Jennifer. Oh Lewis. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a young Jennifer Lewis at the dance. Why would he show it to some random girl? Regina didn't even know her name. Not friends. Mm. So really, it's Carl's fault. He's a fucking idiot. Yeah. So then we get flashback to her having the baby. And her father steals it from her. While she begs him not to take the baby. Yeah. And then Dolly makes out that what he did was for the best. Even though he speaks about how he couldn't stand to see Regina ashamed. Uh... But she was fine with it. She wanted to keep her She wanted to keep the baby. So he basically made her stay in the house. Can't see anyone. Can't do anything because she was pregnant. 
He told her to disappear. Yeah. Which no one mentions before this point, to be fair. Um, because everyone's shocked that she had a child. Yeah. So the, the idea is that, you know, she was hidden and had the child in secret and all that. And then he forced her to put the child up for adoption. So I get that, but we're meant to be on his side. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. And she, he was like, I didn't want her to feel so ashamed. She didn't. And then she's meant to forgive him because yeah. of his right. And I, I say that, you know, uh, loosely, his right intentions. And, and What the fuck? Dolly's advice in this film is fucking terrible. She's like, yeah, see, look, he, he did a good thing. No, he didn't. No. He, he's a terrible person. And then, bizarrely enough, Regina now feels like all what Dolly's shown her has changed her for the better. Yeah. Why? I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand that. So she walks outside and Mac conveniently arrives uh, in an ambulance covered in blood whilst Violet um, is dragged out of, out of the ambulance on a stretcher with not a single scratch on her and explains that they're on the way to the cemetery to leave flowers on Violet's mother's grave like every other Christmas... We had to get that in there. So he couldn't have just said, we've had a car accident. Yeah. It's like, we're on our way to the cemetery so (laughs) she could leave flowers on her mother's grave like she does every Christmas. Okay, mate, not necessary. And then we were in an accident. And, uh... Oh, my God. It's all my fault. Fucking Christian and Jenna appear. (laughs) And uh, Christian says, no, it's not. We saw the whole thing on the bridge. And Jenna's like, that guy ran into you and kept going. Well, okay, where's the investigation into that guy? It's <laughs> true, actually, we never see that, do we? No justice is brought there. What we do here is one of the uh, paramedics say, we need a top paediatric neurosurgeon. <laughs> so Regina tries to tell him, Mac, everything will be okay. He tells her to fuck off. Jenna tells her, it's just the worried talking. He knows you well. Yeah. yeah, you all sang a song about murdering her. He knows her well enough it's to true, hate her. yeah. And uh, Regina says to Felicity, get on the phone. I find a top paediatric neurosurgeon in the country and get them here. <laughs> Marjorie <laughs> comes running up with the gay salon dancers and mistletoe woman. Her arms are going everywhere. She says, any news, any news. <laughs> Poor Jennifer Lewis should have been in this a lot more than she was. I love Jennifer Lewis. Well, she's build cast. She's, Yeah. And um, she's not in it, even close to enough. No. Uh, Regina explains about the top paediatric neurosurgeon in the country. And uh, and then... Uh, top paediatric Margeline says, Oh, Lord, let this doctor help Violet. Regina calls out for Angel Dolly and asks her to put in a word with the big guy to give Violet her life. And in a bizarre series of events, Dolly appears on an ambulance and speaks to Felicity and says... Phase one of Operation Change Complete. Really pleased about it. And reveals that phase one was to change Regina's heart. So Dolly basically put a child in a car accident. It seems Risked that way. her life, put her in hospital yeah. just to change this bitch's heart. Exactly. And what the fuck? Do you know who hasn't done very much to actually... Get her angel wings. Felicity. Felicity. It's awful angel. Dolly did all of this. Felic- yeah. Felicity didn't do any of this. So Dolly has now pretended to be homeless. Insensitive. Mm. She's uh, made a woman believe she's got a brain tumour. Yeah. She's made that woman forgive her horrible father for 
basically stealing her baby from her yeah. and taking away a woman's right to have what she wants uh, and what is rightfully hers because she, you know, carried the baby and gave fucking birth yeah, to it. Child. And, and keep it a secret for so long. So I don't know when her father died. Yeah. I, I don't... I really don't know when her father died. It doesn't make sense. Because there should have been, at one point, when she was maybe a little older, where he explained where the child went. And we'll find out at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. But... He should have explained to her. So when did her fucking father die? No it's idea. It's never explained. So, yeah, and then to, to top it all off, she put her child in a car accident. Essentially, yeah. If we're led to a, believe a, that Dolly's had control over all of this. A child who was already traumatised because her mum died from a car accident. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, soon enough the child isn't bothered by this anyway. Um, phase two is getting Regina's heart to change her mind. Fuck knows who she's going to murder to make that happen. Um, Mac is... Also, guess what Felicity's not doing... Being a calling, good angel. Calling for that uh, top oh, yeah. neurosurgeon. Yeah. Dolly has to remind her. <laughs> They're chatting away. Shouldn't you be on the phone? Yeah. So, Mac is uh, standing by Violet's hospital bedside and randomly goes, Ooh, <laughs> oh, baby girl. Ready to sing a song. <laughs> Your daughter's head dying, supposedly, and you're going to sing a song. And he's an ugly crier, by the way. He's crying while singing a song. <sighs> and it, it is not... It's like, this is it, my it's father's not prayer. Yeah, it's song. This is another moment that's just really... Uh, it's schmaltzy. Well, he tells her... Too much. He's, he's all right with her dying, because he's like, I understand if you have to die. Whoa! Yeah. Hang on a I second! <laughs> Diva's got to leave early. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you, if you, I know you wanted to see your mum's grave. So I understand. So you, I understand if you want to go see her. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> This he, is really He can't heavy. wait for it to die and get out of there. It must be. <laughs> to be an actor in these sort of situations would be super awkward. Like, the child's there lying in bed. All she's got is a bandage around her head. <laughs> she's not... She's just he's got, got a, more damage. Yeah, he's he's got the blood on him. Uh, but she's just got a bandage around her head. And he's singing to her. And she's obviously pretending <laughs> to be unconscious. It must be super awkward for an actor to have to, like, <laughs> sing in someone's face like that. Also, top paediatric neurosurgeon, to me, <laughs> means surgery. Uh, why is she just in a hospital bed? Why, she, why is she not in the surgery waiting? No one's looking after her. But what I don't understand is they're acting as if she could die any second. This is an emergency. This is ER. You know, she's had this terrible head trauma. I get it. So they're waiting for this top paediatric neurosurgeon that no one's mentioned to the doctors. No. No one's, you know, if Jennifer Lewis went in and said, ah, hold on, hold on, hold on. Regina, <laughs> Regina's getting the top neurosurgeon. You know, just stick her in here in the side room and we'll wait until the neurosurgeon's here. Then we can do the surgery. Yeah, is that all right? Yeah, fantastic. Now she'd be dead in five minutes. <laughs> so, this kid, if it's a service they're making now, this kid should probably be dead. <laughs> No, because just after he finishes singing a song, approximately two minutes after (laughs) Felicity forgot to call the top paediatric neurosurgeon in the country, someone walks into the hospital and says, hello, I'm Dr. Martinez. 
pediatric neurosurgeon flown in from Kensington. Kensington. <laughs> and he says, Kensington, that's over 100 miles from here. I says, wow, you must have a guardian angel taking care of you. <laughs> Bitch, no. There is no way you got there that fast. No one's no fucking angel could do that. Absolutely no way. Even if she flew, you've got to call someone if she did. that calls her. And she's there. Okay. And she's dressed for the occasion. She's ready to go. If Dolly transported her, if she teleported her to the hospital, yeah. do you not think she'd be like, wait, what the fuck? What's happening? How yeah, am I here? Where am I? Who is this? <laughs> but no, she knows them exactly what she's there but for immediately. But if it's Regina who's got the private helicopter... It's still absolutely ridiculous it is. how fast she got there. He's so stupid. <laughs> Regina wants dropping off at the general store. Angel Dolly tells Felicity that it's a bad idea and appears it appears in tiny form in the car's cup holder whilst reading more angel rules. She you does. tell me that's not terrifying, please. <laughs> it's quite terrifying. She's like one of the fucking borrowers. Dolly tells Felicity that Regina isn't ready to talk to Carl. Felicity shuts the cover on the cup holder and... Um, she makes out she's taking a shortcut and uh, Regina says you're an angel and Dolly's like wow what do you know about that she called you an angel Dolly why have you changed your mind within seconds yeah <laughs> and guess what though what turns out Dolly was right she shouldn't have gone to see Carl no because when she goes to see Carl Carl is packing up which is quite late actually because if this <laughs> is Christmas Eve he should have had that shot packed up a long time ago despite resisting Regina yeah so that everyone's resisting but still packing up anyway um, <laughs> but all doing it at the last minute because it's like Christmas Eve evening um, but he's still absolutely fuming yeah still does not want to talk to does not want to listen to her um, she mentions her dad's lantern. Oh, she is obsessed. I, I was so sick of seeing this lantern by in, this point. Yeah, so in the second hand um, shit sharp, um, she sees this lantern that's been there. And so she says, is this my father's lantern? Yes, but she's already seen in before. She's already seen. And uh, can I have it? Yes, have it for free. So she gets <laughs> it for free. Um, I don't know how long it's been there because... My a lot of my questions to do the, this film and my confusions would have really been answered if we'd just known when her dad died. Yeah. Like how old was she when her dad died? <laughs> but I'm just and for the whole film and it it didn't ruin the film because it's shit. It must have been when she was an adult because it must have Max been. said that she couldn't wait for her father to die. Exactly. So she could exactly. So she could start a town. So it makes no it just makes no sense. Um we don't know what her dad died of. Was no. it a sudden death? Oh, um, yeah, so she takes it home, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. And she sees Felicity there. Uh, Felicity tries to say something completely uh, profound. And the, whoever wrote the script really thought they were saying something uh, when she goes, grief is love that has nowhere to go. But that's the one that Christine Branski was in an interview saying, that line meant so much to me. Fuck off. Do you know what we'll see? We'll see that line in um inspirational uh, Karen memes with yeah, minions yeah we will we'll see it yeah with minions on Facebook and we'll see it in cards like uh, sorry for your uh, loss cards as well you'll open it up and it'll be like grief is love that has nowhere to go Felicity the shit angel yes <laughs> no, Regina says it's later as well she sings a short song about angels being there when you need them at this point Regina should probably be saying to her wait you know about the angels. I'm not the only one seeing this. <laughs> yeah. But she just goes past it. She starts singing about angels. Jenna's boxing up stuff on their store, you know, resisting Regina, packing up stuff. 
And uh, Christian comes back and says, great news, honey, Violet's improving. Now, if she would just wake up... Uh, great. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you had any emotion, maybe that might have meant something. The town's waiting on um, Christian's Christmas Eve sermon to inspire them. So if the neurosurgeon is there, does that mean that she's having brain surgery at that point? Yes, of course. Or has had the brain surgery? She, real, she, real well, quick. she's improving, so she's having yeah. the brain surgery. Okay. That's, that's how it works. That's brilliant. Such quick brain surgery. She must be the top paediatric neurosurgeon in the country <laughs> because she works very quick. Jenna sings a song about always being a dreamer and how dreams are of no value if they're not equipped. Oh, my God. I switched off during this one. Angel Dolly joins in on the song whilst uh, Marjorie boxes up her salon. The townspeople church call w- walk in circles around Angel Dolly on the square whilst holding candles, which is really strange. Oh, yeah. So, uh, they just Mar- circle her. Yeah, they do. It's so weird. They're going in for It's kill. really creepy. Yeah. <laughs> They've got their weapons ready to murder uh, Maybe Christian Maybe she's Bransky. the witch. She's the Blair Witch, and they're all uh, <laughs> singing to her, her praises. <laughs> What? So, <laughs> Marjolene packs up a picture of her being sworn in as the mayor, don't she? <laughs> yeah. And it's Regina's dad doing it. But Marjolene is looks the same age. So I don't, I can't, again, her dad looks the same age as he was when he took the baby. Exactly. So I cannot pinpoint when the fucking <laughs> man died. So I'm confused. Angel Dolly wakes up Violet with some CGI dust. So the top paediatric neurosurgeon was a waste of time. She hasn't touched the uh, uh, this uh, surgery, has she? No. She hasn't been anywhere near the uh, wherever they performed surgery. No, no. She's still in the same hospital bed. Dolly brings her back to life with, with a bit of angel dust. Yeah. Bad CGI angel dust. And then in a possibly one of the most bizarre series of events oh, we ever spoke about on this podcast. Angel Dolly impregnates Jenna with some CGI angel dust yeah. and sings at her for a bit. Yeah. She, Dolly Parton gets this woman pregnant. She's outside, Dolly's outside the window and, and does a little magical angel dust thing and it hits the woman in the stomach and the, the woman sort of acts as if she can feel something and sort of pats her stomach. And I just I just think this is not... You know, you've got the Scrooge character changing her mind through the power of the angels, and I get that. You, you know, um, it's a very silly concept, but this whole infertility thing is a very serious subject matter and very serious for a lot of people. And I just found it really weird that this is how they would end it. If it ended up with them, you know, because we find out that the pastor was adopted. If they found out that they had children to adopt, because he'd mentioned it earlier Mm -hmm. and he was seemingly adopted himself and was aware of that. If they'd had them finding their perfect child through adoption at the end of the film, you know, it's a slight ridiculous, but, you know, it's believable and it's you know, a nice conclusion mm-hmm. to, you know, a heartwarming film. Um, but this whole, the angels allowing her to, to get pregnant thing, it just doesn't sit right with me. If, if you've ever had any sort of experience with homelessness or a brain tumour or a child dying yeah. or infertility or anything like that, and you're, in, you know, and you're understandably sensitive about that, just don't watch this film, for fuck's sake. 
it, 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 this film is so insensitive about it's it. It's just, it's kind of telling people that, you know, all these sort of issues can be solved by a miracle from an angel. And that's not always the truth. No. It just doesn't sit right with me. No. This, this scene, it's, it's weird and it's awkward. Regina asks a portrait of her father to help her and lights the lantern. She really shouldn't be lighting that fucking lantern. I'm How old that lantern is? Lantern. That lantern. That's like a bomb waiting to explode. She needs to get that fucking checked out before she starts lighting it. Oh my god, she's Jesus obsessed Christ. with it. She finds a no- what I thought was a notebook in there, but apparently it's the family bible. It's the family bible. Um, she opens it to a page that reveals her baby's name conveniently. Yeah, and she reads it out that Regina Fuller gave birth to a baby boy that was named... Dum-dum-dum! Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't tell it. us. And then she sings a song saying she sees how Daddy loved her and brought dark, uh, brought her dark secret to light. Fuck off! It's not even that dark a secret. It's... I know it's different times. I know it was, I'm assuming, the 70s by the outfits. Um, I know it was different times, but he kept that secret seemingly for a very fucking long time. About who that child was. Yeah, she sings about how great a father was when it's clearly a lie. In the most pointless scene of the film, because now we know Violet's back awake and yeah. whatever, Marjolene's gathered the court up in the church and says, Here's the deal, everybody. Violet is in the hospital. Now we may not feel God's protection, affection, and connection right now, but all we've got to do is pray. And they all go. Insane. Yeah. Did Mac not call anyone? Uh, no. Mac didn't pick up the phone no. and say, oh, guys, you know, she's doing... I mean, Pastor Christian knew when she yeah. was doing better. Yeah. Why didn't he know when she was awake? And then we wouldn't have got this sequence where we everybody is dancing like fucking idiots. They like, are, yeah. They're, they're all jumping around and everything. The gay dancers are in full force. We get the iconic psychotic chicken dance. We do. Where the chicken guy is doing a chicken dance, but it looks like he's possessed. <laughs> yeah. He's got a Christmas jumper on and he is going he's insane. He's going way too far. He's going in on this dance. You know, I'll give my social media out at the end of the episode. Go on to my profile a few weeks back and you'll see a video of this. It is... And the song's Weird. pretty much just about get up each day and try, try, try a little harder. Try. The try. whole thing is, is very short and very alarming. Um, yeah. Yeah, just makes the court look they even more terrifying. They should all be packing up their yeah. and shops, by yeah. the way, but they're not. Christian informs Jenna about Violet, and Violet says, Faith opens a door and miracles may enter. Get fucked! They ordered in the top neurosurgeon. What the fuck are you talking about miracles for? And he tells her that right after she yeah. sells something in the shop, by the way. I don't know. Yeah. You know, you're all being evicted, and you're like, oh, I must go. <laughs> Let's get some baby clothes. The busiest <laughs> shop in town, literally the busiest shop in town, is the random children's clothing store. We get some bullshit talk about miracles. No one talks like that. No, it, it, again, they're my two least favourite characters because they're just, talk, just talking shit. You know, and if you're a religious person, uh, you know, you, I've got nothing against that. Um, but this is so unbelievable, the way they talk yeah. throughout this fucking film. It's like Ned and Maud Flanders, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Regina almost kills a doctor again by running him over. Uh, and he says, oh, by the way, you haven't got a brain tumour. The scan uh, before must have been faulty. And she's like, that's great news. And walks away. No f- enthusiasm. Well, actually, he says it must have been a faulty machine. Yeah. Or a Christmas miracle. It's fucking bullshit. So, potentially, 
Dolly gave her the brain tumour and then took the brain tumour away. Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, you ordered a top neurosurgeon. Oh, my God. You don't deserve a brain tumour. Yeah. Yeah. Regina visits Christian and gives him that fucking lantern as a present. What a shit present. (laughs) She tells him to look inside and he finds the family Bible and reveals that he is her son. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. And she says it must be true because it's written in the Bible. Oh, don't. In the family Bible. Oh, my God, don't say that. That is... <laughs> that, is so... that is bullshit. That's what I'm saying. It must be true. It's on the internet. It must be true. It's on the internet. <laughs> and Jenna says, oh, my. Christian goes, what? Yeah, and then what? <laughs> Regina's like, that's what I said. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Christian gives his awful speech at the church and said... We had our first Christian miracle. Christmas. Christmas miracle. Violet woke up. <laughs> Marceline's there. It's like, yeah, she did. <laughs> <laughs> I love Jennifer LaRose. I really do. The mistletoe woman's like, bless her heart. <laughs> Christian tells everyone about his own Christmas miracle and about how Jack Fuller was always watching him as a child. Weird. Oh, it's so weird. It's very there weird. There was a man that was watched like, oh, when me I was when in I my was playground. Sure, yeah. When I was in the playground. Yeah. When I was walking out and about. He was when always I watching graduated. me. <laughs> so he must have said that. So Regina's dad must have still been alive when Pastor Christian yeah. was graduating yes. from high school. Yeah. And he didn't say anything to Regina. It's fucking bullshit. Mar- Margeline says, Jack. Yeah, Jack. Yeah, Jack. Yeah, Jack. <laughs> Christian then goes on to tell the story of a young girl who was with child many years ago and tells us all the exposition we already fucking knew. Oh, don't. Please welcome my mother, Regina Fuller. Chicken Guy's reaction is priceless, priceless. in this scene. Shocked. The town it, is shocked. This was as big a reveal as uh, it was Rebecca Vardy's account. Yeah. The way he revealed that had the same level of drama. Why is Marjolaine shocked? Surely she would have told her best friend. Angel Dolly appears in the church on a cloud singing her angel's prayer. Regina gives a speech about how her father, about her father and how much of a bitch she's been. Uh, Marjolaine's like, it's okay, baby. It's okay. <laughs> Regina sings a song asking people to forgive her whilst a choir boy is yawning in the background. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Regina announces she's not selling the town anymore. Yay. We didn't see that coming. Chicken guy overreacts as per usual. They sing a new version of Christmas Is, um, where Jenna implies she's pregnant now. Yes. She... Yeah. This is fucking ridiculous. How does she know? How has she just had a pregnancy test before singing this fucking song that's come back positive? She does, yeah. Carl says he'll be the grandfather if he has his say. That's fucking creepy. I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A dancing guy jumps with his legs so wide open, like I mentioned at the start of the episode, and... The, Power couple of the year, Chicken Guy and Mistletoe Woman have a kiss in the background. Oh, they do. They that do. is the spin-off I need, is their story. <laughs> Violet's out of hospital quickly. Uh, just a bandage on her head. Just still that bandage on her head. Mac runs over to Regina while smiling and says, and uh, Vi- <laughs> Regina says to Violet, you're a star. And one of these days, you'll be running this town. It's such a forced line. It's so forced. Mac thanks Regina for what she did for Violet and, int- and she introduces Christian as a son. Carl and Regina have their dance uh, whilst a lantern lights Finally on its own. Dance, yeah. 
The church cult start dancing around Carl and Regina. Felicity and Dolly, both in angel form, start singing um, while staring at the square. And Dolly breaks the fourth wall and tells us we have a lot of work to do and to get out there and light our lights. Oh. Do you know, Felicity didn't actually deserve to become no, an she angel. Never. She did fuck all. She did absolutely fuck all to do remedy any of this. I really don't get why we needed Dolly breaking the fourth wall as well. Ah, <laughs> oh, no. Dolly can talk to me anytime. So, that's Christmas on the Square. Christmas on the Square, the film that makes absolutely no sense when you look at it. Um, yeah, lo- lots of inconsistencies. Uh, a lot of questions raised. Yeah. As to who died when, where and why. Um, <laughs> but it's a camp fun time. Yeah, just not it for is. the right reasons. It's ridiculous. Let's just make that clear. It's a ridiculous film. But it's wonderfully ridiculous. Yeah. It is not a good film by any means. No, no, no. It is it is trash, but it is entertaining trash. Yes. Yes. So I would really tell people to watch it. Oh yeah, watch it's, it's on, on Netflix. Netflix. Watch it for Christmas. You, you get a slight Christmas feeling from well, well you, you get very much a Christmas feeling from it. It's very much a Christmas film. <laughs> um but you know, it's Slightly heartwarming, but the, the Christmas, hilarious. The Christmas message is, don't worry about all the shit going on in your life, no matter how serious it is, oh, because you never know. Yeah. Angel Dolly might calm down and give you a miracle yeah. and save a dying child. Yeah. I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of that message. So, um, but yeah. if, watch Christmas on the Square. Talk to us about it. If you've already seen us, talk to us about it. We're Horacult Trash over on Facebook and Instagram, Horacult Trash on Twitter. I'm Delat Gaz92 on Letterboxd, Gazmo92, uh, Gazmo205 even on Instagram, GazCruise92 on Twitter. I'm Chris Barker823 on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. If you are listening to us on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe, like, follow, and everything else. And we'll be back next week with a double episode week where we'll be discussing Feeders 2 on Tuesday and our original versus remake for Silent Night, Deadly Night on Friday. Bye. What are you saying bye for? I haven't oh. said it yet. I've not. <laughs> <Don't>... <laughs> You've got a lot of work to do. Don't forget, don't let your light light out or whatever the fuck she says. <laughs> bye. <laughs> same time, same place next week. There we go. Bye. <laughs>